Well, hello, all you confident chickens out there. This is another episode of A Little Greener, a podcast all about sustainability, conservation, and nature. I'm one of your hosts, Casey, and I am joined once again by the fantastic Sarah. Hello. I'm just now, like we've done this every week, but now every time we do it, I just get a visual of whatever our animal is. So I just have a confident chicken parading around in my brain now. If if you are like an artist looking for inspiration for like something to doodle, yes. um, just go to every episode of our show <laughs> and draw whatever we say at the beginning. That's Send your challenge. It to us. Yes. And we will put it on the, uh, the social media for our show. And we'd love to see your talent. <laughs> oh my gosh. I hope somebody does that. I do too. How you doing, Sarah? Well, Casey, (laughs) life is crazy. I just feel like it's one thing after another with us and (laughs) things go crazy for you and then they go crazy for me. And I know there's going to be crazy for you for a while, but I'm moving now. I'm moving in the next couple of weeks, less than that. So I've been turning everything upside down, packing and moving. So that's been fun, sort of related to that remember however many months ago when we talked about the who gives the crap toilet paper and I got some all like of that it, was yeah. my thing and I haven't used it because I still had all of my old toilet paper well one finally used the first roll cracked that first paper first open, yeah. and it's better than the toilet paper I was using before I really yes. like it side note but now I'm like I have 47 rolls of toilet paper that I have to pack and move. So I'm just packing all of these boxes and then I'm sticking random rolls of toilet paper. Good padding. Box, right? Uh, in boxes that I haven't filled. So so that's how my life is right now. Toilet Fragile paper in random. Items yeah. and toilet paper. I highly recommend, I cannot recommend this enough. Please label your boxes specifically. Andrew and I could not find our birth certificates for like two months after moving. And I need them for like getting a license in this state. And man, we found it in literally the last box we looked in. So highly recommend that you label things, but what you'll know is that your belongings are super well packed and maybe even insulated with some high quality toilet paper made exclusively from recycled sources. So look at you. Yep. Uh, how are you? How, how's, how are things going over there? Yeah. Well, like you said, like I kind of committed to what I'm guessing is about a year of crazy because there's a wedding. There's going to be another move sometime in my near future, which involves my first time homeowner situation. Two weeks ago, I worked 10 hours of overtime. So it's just like a very busy time (laughs) to be me. So if we do interrupt our schedule, in the next couple of weeks, please know that we have good excuses. Yes. I will get a doctor to write a note or something to get us out <laughs> of it if, if it's necessary, because, uh, cause it's going to be pretty crazy for both of us, but, uh, this is an important part of our week. So we wanted to be here with you. It's always fun. Yeah. So we love doing it. If we possibly can, there may just be times where the time doesn't allow, or we may just be doing some, some quick check-ins again, uh, yes. like we did a couple months ago. So but some glad creativity. To, yeah. Yeah. Glad to be doing it this week. Me too. And this week we are going to do a little bit of a different episode. Um, a couple weeks ago, we did an episode about Penguin Town, which is on Netflix. This podcast is not sponsored by Netflix unless, hey, Netflix. Yeah. <laughs> um, say no. We would not say no. Um, this week we are going to talk about a documentary that came out in 2020 called Kiss the Ground. And honestly, it's like a feature length documentary. So we are not going to be able to go into all of the science that goes into this documentary, but it's something that is related to lots of things that we talk about on this podcast. So we just wanted to spend a little bit of time going over as environmental educators, how we felt about this film, how effective it was, what it was talking about. And so if you stick around, uh, we will come back with that review in just a moment.
All right. And we're back to the main body portion of our episode. This week, we are talking about Kiss the Ground, which was a documentary produced and putting out there on Netflix, professionally said. Uh, It is directed by (laughs) Joshua Tickle and Rebecca Harrell Tickle. And it is notably narrated by Woody Harrelson. And Woody Harrelson makes me think of the Hunger Games and (laughs) Planet of the Apes. So... Now I got other things on my watch list. Oh boy. Yeah. <laughs> um, but Sarah, this is a documentary that man touches on so many different aspects of conservation and climate. So could you just tell me what did you can you briefly describe what this documentary is about? And we'll just start there. What is it about? Sure. Yeah. I mean, at the broadest, it's about dirt. It's about soil and the importance of soil health for our ecosystem and as a tool to combat climate change. So they are really focusing on soil health as a big part of the solution to our fight against climate change, which I have sort of thoughts on both ways. Um, But so it talks about a lot of different things. I'm going to try to just sum it up right now, and then we'll talk about my feelings on, on, or our feelings on how well they did or not. But it focuses a lot on regenerative agriculture, so our farming practices, um, and it, it covers quite a bit of that. So it talks about things like the damages of tilling and pesticide use uh, and talks about crop rotation and integrated farming and all of these things uh, as important tools. So, but generally, yeah, it's about soil. Yeah. I mean, so the way this was introduced to me is a coworker at my new job, which is not conservation related, came up to me and said, Hey, have you watched kiss the ground? It's narrated by Woody Harrelson, which is how everybody has introduced this film to me. <laughs> my mom also watched it. Um, she was like, yeah, it talks about how the soil is really the thing causing the climate change. And I was like, wow. Uh, now I have to watch it. Yeah. <laughs> um, which watching this film that is not anywhere near the core of what it is saying correct but I can see how she got there yes I agree but but basically what what it's more trying to talk about is how the health of our soil is tied to a solution for climate change and something that we don't talk about very much and I'm really glad that this documentary is focusing on is we oftentimes talk about trees they're carbon suckers, right? These are the technology that brings things. Plants will take carbon dioxide out of the atmosphere. And I think one of the things that maybe that we don't talk about a lot is then what, what does it do with that carbon? Like it just lives in its bodies and then do they die and it all goes back? Well, really all the plants will take that and take some of it and put it into their root systems where it works with uh, some microbacterias and different microorganisms that help keep the carbon down in pockets in our soil. And so it is really cool to have a documentary that is talking about soil. And as someone who grew up at a garden center, really like they do say like dirt versus soil and Mm -hmm. things like that. Yeah. Weird, weirdly struck a chord with me because I cannot tell you the amount of people being like, Hey, I'm here to buy some dirt. (laughs) And you're like, I'm like, Oh, that's a loaded question. What do you need this dirt for? Because there truly is a difference between someone trying to fill a hole in their yard with just whatever. And someone who's actually looking to grow plants in a better growing medium, or even put plants in pots, which has different things to help with drainage. So really like there is a diversity in soil. And, uh, and I thought it was really cool. that They brought it up. Um, but it does kind of like, it doesn't, stick to that it does very much like send its tendrils into like chemicals and lots of other things in there who was the audience for this documentary well it's interesting and I feel like I'm I'm gonna I'm just jumping around with some different questions that we have planned It, it so it's interesting because one of the things that I really liked about this documentary is that I feel like it was very accessible like yes. I am, I did not grow up in a garden center. I can't keep a house plant alive. I don't know anything about plants. I never took any ecology classes, any like plant science classes. None of like, none of that is something that I learned. And so I feel like they did a really nice job presenting things 
for a general audience. The, the introduction of the film sort of targets, so it kind of starts off by, you know, talking about all of the bad news that we hear about the environment, and then it goes into Woody Harrelson saying, you know, talking about how you, you hear all of this and, you know, like I've, I've given up and you probably have too. So they, they make it sound like they are targeting this towards people who are familiar with environmental issues, are concerned about climate change, and are, are really looking for something, I don't know, if something new to hold on to or some hope or something like that. Um, that's who they make it sound like they are targeting. To me, though, I wonder, you know, I, I think it is actually good for people who maybe are not to the given up stage. I think it's an interesting thing for people who are still just unaware, who don't even know necessarily or feel very removed from this issue. I just, I think we don't think about soil. We don't think about this <laughs> as being something that is impactful. Um, so I guess what I'm saying is I feel like it's a really good target to the to the general audience like it's not necessarily targeting people who are farmers I think it it can speak really well to just the general population which I think is one of the positives about it I, th I think that that is its aim in a lot of ways like you said like opening up is just this like general broad people you are familiar with climate change we're not denying that climate change is like, right. we're not, we're not here to step up on the footing of like, let's prove it's real or right. not. I do think it's almost aggressively apolitical in a, in a way that it tries to avoid as many buzzwords as possible that might alienate its audience. I don't mind that. Okay. All right. I, I felt like at some points, I mean, like when we're talking about burning fossil fuels, like it felt like, and then we do this. And anyway, also carbon's great. Uh, I felt a little bit like that sort of framing was a, a I didn't think it took it as seriously as I mm -hmm. wanted it to, because uh, really what this is, like you're saying, it's trying to aim at everyone. At certain portions though, during it, I kind of felt like the audience was farmers. Like you? it's been all, yes. Yeah. And, and honestly, Andrew and I were sitting there being like, okay, like, a lot of these solutions that are presented are extremely farm-based yes. solutions. Yeah. And at one point they kind of like pop up this kind of pegboard of like all these different solutions that you can try and do. And it really focuses mostly on the ones that are actionable for farmers rather yes. than actionable for the general public. So in that way, that's sort of why I felt like it was more of a farm. I mean, even like when you have the guy from the vampire diaries in there, which we'll get to, but he goes like, cows are the most villainized animal on planet earth. Like <laughs> I'm like, thanks Ian. So whatever your name is from the vampire diaries. I, I missed, lost. I missed that. Missed totally. That I, no, I mean, I know, I know the part that you're talking about. Yeah. I didn't know that was a famous person. Oh really? Yeah. That's just like, this is an aggressively hot activist. You were just like, this is a very attractive person what? who is into regenerative farming. <laughs> <laughs> okay, everybody listening, I told this to Casey already, but I watched this in sort of fits and starts. I was packing and doing other yeah. things, uh, so I wasn't always looking at the screen. So if they put his name up there or whatever, I totally missed it. And I I apparently don't watch whatever he's been in. So. Well, I feel like mostly they like were identifying these people as like, they're like activists, you know, yeah. they're environmental activists. These are not active. I mean, they're, they're activists, they're researchers, they're farmers in this. There are plenty of celebrities as yeah. well that you don't know for being activists you know for being actors or singers or football players so yeah so uh yeah so it, parts of it I agree I think it was trying to hit all those but uh but I felt like a lot of the actionable items were very farm-based I do definitely agree with that so that was one of the problems I'm just looking at my little list of notes yeah. that I tried to type up as I as things hit me it's for me it didn't feel like they were they were making farmers the audience but it did feel like they put a lot of blame on farmers and were sometimes a little disrespectful to the farmers I thought like there was that one part in the beginning uh where the guy was like farmers just don't understand how the soil works and then like I'm pretty sure that farmers know what they're doing a lot I mean yeah so we, we don't they're they're not climate scientists for sure so uh but it just it felt a little bit like 
okay. And they do talk later more about like policies and things like that and kind of how the system is set up for farming to need to be done that way. So that felt a little bit better to me. Um, but yeah, I do think there was a lot of, I, I definitely agree with this. The solutions were more targeted towards farmers, although they did also have a segment of composting and food yeah. waste and those types of types of things in there as well. But yeah, I feel like there was a lot of onus placed on farmers. And I mean, that's where your biggest bang for your buck is, right? Like if you can get one farmer who's got 200 acres under their purview versus somebody in their backyard, change one person's mind in, in that way, like that is going to have the most impact. I, I just was interested in like how it did seem to like set it up from an everyman perspective. Mm-hmm. And, uh, and then like, didn't give me a lot to do. And we'll yeah. talk about like how they do have a, a way for, for you to have action items, but I was kind of waiting for them to be like, and this is how you use regenerative agriculture in your yard or something like yeah. that. Like, you know, something along those lines. And so that's where I felt like the documentary was really kind of interestingly skewed. Like they talked a little bit about the history of farming and the, the history of pesticides, um, some of which, I mean, like, Hey, I'm not pro pesticide, but it is a little bit inflammatory to be like, yes, these were made by the Nazis. And that's <laughs> yeah. why pesticides were yeah. bad. It's like world war two. <laughs> yeah. Like, yeah, that, that was a little rough. And I'm a little bit, I mean, I, again, I don't have a strong knowledge base in this, but I'm from the Midwest. I went to a school of agriculture. You know, I know people that no farmers anyway. All right. You know, or at least have acquaintances with, with farmers. So I'm not an all chemicals are terrible. I I think you have to be careful when you're talking about chemicals on our crops and how you're talking about them. I tried to listen to like food scientists on social media, which again, I'm not, don't want to be a social media expert here, but you know, they do talk about things like if somebody's talking to you about what dangers a pesticide does to the human body or whatever, and they're not talking to you about dosage and things like that, that's a problem (laughs) because yes, things can be very dangerous to the human body, but only if they, you know, reach a certain dosage. And a lot of times what we're talking about is far, far less than that. So I don't want to be pro pesticide either, but I do want to be pro let's be reasonable (laughs) when we're talking about these things or let's be aware at least of what we're talking about and and yeah let's just be clear about what we're talking about I guess yeah I I guess like not pro chemical here but like yeah like let's have a nuanced picture let's it's a lot to tackle in an hour and 25 Mm -hmm. minutes and so there were certain things in the documentary that I wondered if it was worth just cutting out so getting to that let's first talk about what do we think that the film did well? Yeah. So, and, and there definitely were, I, I wish that I had or had the focus right now to sit down and watch the whole thing through. But what I will say is, I mean, we already talked about it, but I think Woody Harrelson was a home run personally. <laughs> like, <laughs> I thought he was a great narrator. I loved listening to him. He feels very relatable. Uh, I, I thought he did a, a fantastic job. I thought it worked. Uh, and I do think that they did a good job making this kind of fun and relatable. Again, sorry, plant folks out there. It's, it's dirt. I know we just talked about the difference between dirt and soil, but like it's dirt, like you see it, it's everywhere. It's like, you just, you don't think about it. Uh, it feels like it's just a dead thing to most people. So I think they did a really good job of explaining, you know, they talk about like soil is a, like its own universe or whatever, and talking about all of the, uh, the microbiome in the dirt and all of that. And whatever that song that they're playing <laughs> over that part, if you remember, <laughs> I believe in <laughs> yeah, yeah. It was stuck in my yeah. head for a long yeah. time. Yeah. But it was, I thought it was great. It made it fun. Uh, so I think it, I thought it made something that people would think is could be very dry uh I thought that they made it fun and again accessible I I want to say that I've read like several reviews of this movie just to see like what the general like feeling was and two of those reviews specifically called out that song <laughs> in this, this documentary it stood out to so many people I think that's such an interesting like point that people are like 
we just used soil and called it like a sexy thing, you know? Yeah. <laughs> so yeah. I thought that's so funny that you also found that interesting because you're not alone. <laughs> well, again, I mean, and because I wasn't sitting there looking at the screen the whole time, it just sort of catches your attention and you're like, what's going on? Uh, yeah, so I thought that was good. I did think, and I'm, tr- I, I'm trying to figure out how to phrase this appropriately. We've already talked about how you, you, know, you only have so much time and there were a lot of things that they tried to cover, but I, I thought that it did a nice job, I guess maybe staying in its lane overall of what it was trying to present in talking about soil and the importance of soil in carbon sequestration. Like I do, I, I feel like that was good. I, I also looked at other reviews and I did see some criticism for it, for presenting this as like the only solution to climate change or something like that. I didn't feel that from it. I, I felt it a little. I think, well, I think, well, yeah. I think that maybe it oversimplified just a little bit. I, I'm really struggling with, with how I want to say this, um, because I do think that it is important to, you're not going to be able to talk about all of the solutions in climate change. When your documentary is about soil, you can't fit in all of the other issues with climate change and expect to talk about them well. So I think you do kind of have to stay in your lane. They could have said a little more specifically, this is one avenue that we need to take. And they didn't do that. And I think that's where they missed is they didn't clarify how this is, this is just a big piece in the puzzle, if that makes sense. A hundred percent. I felt like, cause I, Andrew and I had the same conversation where he was like, they can't cover everything, Casey. And I'm like, I know, but I kind of needed them to at least say trees are important too, or something Mm -hmm. like, you know, to say that there are other ways we also have to stop using fossil fuels. Like there, there are so many other things that we have to and rather than like, or this, yeah, like this is not going to be the thing that saves us by itself, but is definitely an uh, overlooked, underappreciated, under understood avenue for us yeah. to be able to tackle this. But it is fr- just like, and this is why I kind of felt like I was pro farmer is instead of being like, you know, we could reduce the amount of land that we're farming and replace some with trees. We just sort of, it, it, this is where it sort of sits at this sort of status quo of like, well, the level that we are doing is fine. It's just has to be done in a different way. Yeah. So that, that was a, a contention I had. Did, yeah. did you have any other positive things that you wanted to bring up about it? I, I guess without diving in more specifically, no, I feel like that those, those were the, the, big things. Like I liked the tone that it struck. I I liked for the most part, we'll talk about some things uh, that I didn't, but in the execution, I thought it did well. Um, And I do like that at the end too, there is a little bit of a call to action, which I know you're going to talk about uh, a little bit too. What what were your big positives? Yeah. The hope aspect Mm -hmm. I think is not to be underestimated. I really cannot tell you. Yeah, sorry. I like that. No, I was just gonna say sorry. I just interrupted you, but I, I like that the ending song too, in terms of just the hope at the end and the uplifting. I was like, oh, this is beautiful. <laughs> oh, okay. But Andrew and I started cracking up. For those of you who don't know, when they're talking about how to change the system of like what we're, we've been doing and what we need to do, it pans to California and an avocado tree and the person that appears under this avocado tree is Jason Mraz here to tell us that's why that song. So it ends on a Jason Mraz song. And that's why when that started playing, we like started cracking up, (laughs) but Jason Mraz appears from underneath an avocado tree to tell us what regenerative agriculture is. You miss a lot when you're not looking at the screen. I don't know if I would have recognized Jason Mraz either, but uh, but I like they, the they like show his face. They show his face, and then Andrew goes, "Is that Jason Mraz?" <laughs> With an expletive in there, and then it like flashes on the bottom, being like Jason Mraz. And I don't even think oh. they say like singer. I'm pretty sure they say yeah. something like regenerative farm, like activist no. or whatever. We're gonna have to look that up. I don't want to peg this, but okay. I'm I'm pretty sure that like. Yeah. But anyway, so, um, I just liked the song. The song's great. I agree. I really like that song. Yeah. <laughs> I guess this is our turning point into uh, a criticism area. 
this documentary is not afraid to throw some hot people that you recognize from the television on your screen. Sometimes to tell you about some of the stuff in this, sometimes to push personal pet projects that they are working on. And sometimes to be Giselle Bündchen and Tom Brady to imply that eating lettuce is helping him play football till he's 43. Yeah. That, that was the biggest one. Like I, that was the whole thing when they were talking about, you know, they're talking about the importance of bacteria and all of that stuff. I didn't need that whole segment about how, when we eat food, we're actually feeding our gut bacteria, you know, like I, I, that felt like it stuck out as is and then yeah throw in tom brady and giselle a salad and i'm just like <laughs> what who 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 are we? i don't know who the audience was for that unless we're trying to just convert big tom brady fans or giselle well, and yeah i do I do think that, that, like, like I said, I think this was like an aggressively apolitical movie, which is like a, a decision to make. I think that there are certain things by making that decision that they decided to avoid talking about, like fossil fuels and eating less meat, which we will talk about as well. But they were really like, oh, you know, it's like the most popular football player yeah. in America, Tom Brady. Yeah. And so, yeah, it's a, that to me was a distracting point. I also felt like they were a little oversimplifying, like having Ian Summerholder or whatever his face is talk about cows. Yeah. <laughs> I, I unfortunately like felt like it very much sort of missed the mark for me because they tried to have him be like, see, cows are good when we use them the right way, which is, uh, I don't, I, I don't know if I can say that cows are like good. I feel like we're going to have to do a whole episode on grass-fed beef and like there are pros and cons still cows are still belching methane, no matter what they eat. So they're still like, are they a necessary part of our life to keep around and to glorify in this system based on this documentary? Or is there something else we could have been talking about? Um, even in some of the materials they provide, like basically in this regenerative agriculture that they're talking about, they do incorporate animals and livestock and talk about the role that sort of things like bison used to play in the ecosystem and how large herbivores are important for keeping a healthy ecosystem. But it like sort of doesn't tell you that, but if we do this, we can't all eat meat the same way that we do right now. Right. It's just sort of, it, it almost felt like a counterpoint to when people are like, they don't want you to eat hamburgers anymore. It was like a way of being like, reasonably cows can be good. See, and you can still eat them as long as you can get grass fed beef, which also implies that you can afford a certain amount of things. So, yeah. And this was a frustrating point to me too, because it's just so hard when you are not a part of this system. And when you, it's, it's complicated. Like there are so many factors. I mean, I have tried numerous times before to research things about grass-fed beef oh man you know it and (laughs) you will find experts you will find people in the field that disagree on this you know so there's just so so much that is uncertain but yeah this was this was definitely pro cow (laughs) and uh and it was a little interesting so if listen to our episode casey did a, a great episode um on beef eating beef and some of the impacts that that can have in particular in a feedlot system. And so this using them in regenerative agriculture is different than the way a lot of of cattle are raised now. Um, So it's interesting. It's interesting that they sort of didn't address the other side. Like they say they have those lines where cows are good. And that's one of the most controversial statements you can make or whatever he says, Uh, but they don't really, I feel like address too much of why that is. I mean, they talk about feedlots, but they, they, they definitely are, are anti-feedlot. And when you go into the literature of this organization, they are anti-feedlot, but like the cows are very complicated. Mm -hmm. And so, yeah, just kind of throwing it in there. I think that my problem I had is you're anti-feedlot, but you're very pro grass-fed beef. Like mm-hmm. not like this is an option. This is there. It is a very pro grass-fed beef documentary 
it does not then lead you to the next point, which is we have to stop eating as much beef as a society. And I think it wanted to avoid that, that answer because it still wanted to remain appealing without turning off part of its audience. And I just wonder like, at what points do you like the, all of those little decisions have to be made across the documentary, but what, what points are you going to make that decision that you are going to have to push your audience to a new comfort level past where they are right now and introduce, like, I have made a solid enough argument that I can say that we're just not going to be able to eat as much beef as a society. Like that's, that's where I feel like it was a little bit of a failure on the beef standpoint. Yeah. And sorry, go ahead. No, go, go for it. Oh, I, changing the subject a little bit. One of the other big things I had an issue with was when we were talking about regenerative agriculture, which has lots of different names um, and there's lots of different ways to have regenerative agriculture. It's basically keeping your soils healthy and using some principles of nature. They had Jason Mraz introduce this concept to us and had a lot of white people talk to us yeah, about it. That's, that's exactly what yes. I was about to bring up too. <laughs> um, and, and they had a farmer, which I was glad they had a farmer that was like, this works for me and it's important. Like, I think that having a stakeholder that looks like the person that people are envisioning saying it's working for them is important, but we didn't invent it. Regenerative agriculture has been around for a super, super long time. They sort of like showed past civilizations that had over tilled their soils and ended up moving themselves out of areas. But indigenous people have been doing this for ever. <laughs> um, so I actually wanted to look it up a little bit. Um, and I found the National Farmers Union had actually an article in 2020 uh, about the indigenous origins of regenerative agriculture. Okay. Hey, tomorrow after when we're recording is indigenous people's day. Happy indigenous people's day. Look at that. So basically they, they talk a little bit about all the different ways that indigenous people have come up with it. One of the most popular things, that, something I'd heard of before is something called the three sisters, um, which is a combination of growing corns, beans, and squash together. And basically like the corn grows up and the beans use the corn socks as a trellis. They also help fix nitrogen down in the soil for the corn to grow better. And then the squash vines grow around it and help protect the soil, um, acting as a, a mulch that helps have the moisture and prevents weeds. And this system was used in different ways in different climates as well. So they would like mound it up in more humid climates to help with drainage. And this is something that's been around forever. And I think cutting any mention of it out. Yeah. It's, it's to me and sort of unforgivable sin. Yeah. I just don't understand it. I don't understand who, because yeah, not, not only do they not mention it, it feels like they go out of their way to make it seem like this is a new thing. Like that this yeah. is a new, like we've just discovered how, you know, to, to, to do this. And I just don't understand it. I'm not saying that you have to do a deep dive into the history of indigenous peoples and go, you know, you don't have, but, but acknowledge it, like just. Right. You know, like acknowledge I, it, have a representative yes, who can show you a small yes. example of it. Like this three sisters commonly used by the Iroquois of the Northeast. That's a pretty big tribal yeah. system, but there are people who still exist in that. And honestly, I could not figure out like it, it had to be an intentional choice made by the directors. And it felt like they made an assumption about their audience that that information would have been less agreeable coming from that. And that unfortunately says a lot about our attitudes towards non-white people in their audience. And I think that that is a problem with the directorial decision, um, but also says a lot about what they assume of the average American. So yeah, I, I had a big problem with that. I mean, Andrew was like, can we get an expert in here when we had like uh, Patricia Arquette coming in with her composting yeah. toilets and things like yep. that. But, but that one really like rubbed me the wrong way of when they started to talk about it, I was ready because there are people in indigenous tribes still practicing this yeah. all around the world. We have intercropping, we have shade grown coffee plants down in South America. We have agroforestry everywhere. <laughs> and it was just like, yeah. We know what we need in my Midwestern field in North Dakota is this new technique that uh, helps yeah. build the soil. It, it just felt kind of icky to me. Yeah, it was really frustrating. The lack of any mention and the lack of representation, I think, were the two glaring things that I just 
I just don't understand. And it was really frustrating because like I said, I actually really enjoyed, you know, I found this very enjoyable to watch. I found it a really, I think it is an important thing to be putting out there um, for people, just, just this, this whole idea of the importance of soil but that this was just such a big miss. <laughs> yeah. Such a big miss. Um, especially I think because like, I, this is again, a reason I felt like farmers had to be within the audience range they were talking about is it really does sort of just cement the, like the industrial scale at which we are getting our food. It sort of accepts that as what we should be continuing in perpetuity and doesn't really give us those alternatives of growing our own food, showing us how to do that at home. It just sort of says, yeah, we're going to continue to operate at this large scale. We just have to change what those practices are. And I can't do that. I can't make a farmer do that. Right. So, and, and what I will say to that point, and that's like the only thing that I can get in my head is, is why they may not have included indigenous peoples. And this is not an excuse or a reason not to, it's just the only thing that I can think of is because there are so many people, I, I think who, who do just feel that way. Like they're, we're, we are in this big egg and we're not going to go back to people growing their own food. I feel a little like that because I (laughs) have failed at growing my own food. Uh, and so it feels like an insurmountable challenge to to somebody like me uh, right now. So they just think that, if they present it that way, people are just going to be like, well, the world is different now and we need these big systems or whatever. And so that's why, which again, is not an excuse. You can do both. You can say, this is where we're getting this knowledge from, from these people. And here's how we can implement it into a bigger uh, system. Like you can say that, but, but yeah, that was, that was the only thing that I could think of there. I feel like I sort of just went on a tangent. No, I I think did I end up a different place than where we started? (laughs) (laughs) Oh, no, I I think you're, you're right. Because like, I think, um, like the decision not to include those voices is an argument could be made is that it feels quote antiquated, even though again, those people are still doing that right now, (laughs) like actively around the world. Yeah. Hey, a lot of the things you eat, your chocolate, things like that Mm -hmm. could come from that very system that we're talking about. But yeah, it, it feels kind of, I, I just want to ask the directors, like, did you just assume your audience was like a, a little biased and prejudiced against that particular set of people, the time period they associate it with? But yeah, that's a question I have for our, our director folks. I guess the last part I want to talk about here is the fact that unlike Penguin Town, which we reviewed in another podcast episode, This documentary did actually give you a call to action at the end and a website to go to, to try and uh, move forward. If this, you know, if this moved you go here, great, because I didn't feel like I knew what to do based on your documentary yet. So I am glad that we can talk about these things and you tried to, you know, just do all of so, so many different things within this small small span of time. Yeah. You're not going to be able to touch on everything that we do. Um, so yeah, it's kisstheground.com. You can go to it and you're going to get some of those very pretty like carbon bubbles coming down into the plants that you would have seen in the documentary and how then the soil's like, yeah, we got it. And some things growing and farmers with cowboy hats sifting through soil and things like that. Um, but basically it's got lots of things. Uh, it looks like they have 9.5 million views on their trailers and it's streaming on Netflix. They have options to host a screening for schools. They have some educational materials they've sort of made for lots of different age groups, but going through the website, I was like, not moved to donate. Sorry, kiss the ground. I wasn't moved to donate to your website. Although that's an option. If you feel like, Hey, I actually feel really passionate about making sure that farmers (laughs) um, know about this regenerative agriculture. That's a way to help. But I ended up going to the take action button And I went there, it says, find your path in the movement, which I like. I like that there's a lot of different options that people can try and take to move forward. A lot of them are a little um, vague. Like it's like, oh, you can do activism or business or climate change or soil science. Like there's kind of these vague categories. Um, But the one that kind of struck me is they do have a purchasing guide that goes around when I decided to click on clothing, I think. 
which I thought was interesting was in this, cause this doesn't tackle clothing at all. It doesn't tackle cotton. It doesn't tackle anything, but lots of our textiles come from the ground. And it ended up sending me to a overall purchasing guide, which actually mostly talks about food, but it does have some clothing textile things in there as well. And this, I felt like was actually an extremely useful resource. Good. I felt, I do still feel like it has some issues with it, but it does like, you know, you know, when like someone's like, well, do your research about the food that you're putting in your body. And you're like, cool. I'm an average person who doesn't even know what to Google, let alone like what's a valuable resource for me to, you know, there's so many things, but basically they advise like, Hey, go to your local farmer's market, ask the farmer these questions. Do you use cover crops? Do you rotate your crops? Do you do this? And so they've got a lot of these specific questions in there. It it talks about like, Hey, don't take local as like, that makes this food good because it's local. But, and it also tells you like, Hey, these words tell you that it is certified like organic, but don't think that natural means anything. So it really does like break down a lot of these little points. It tells you how to garden. It tells you how to compost. I would say like one of the funny things I found in there is that for gardening, it was just like, go on YouTube and look at gardeners. (laughs) 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 Um, Which like, I mean, yes, there's lots of really great gardeners on there, but, uh, what an, I mean, way to get inspiration, but doesn't necessarily feel like, um, a very specific, like go to this gardener. And it, it does talk about, I got down to the meat section. Cause that's what I, I want to talk a little bit more about. And it, it does basically say like that the, the CAFOs, the concentrated animal feed lots, which is how we have most of our agriculture here is bad. That grass fed systems are basically good and positive, like not just like they're better. Like they are good for the land, which one day we will do an episode on talking about the complicated parts of that. But eventually when you get down into like the nitty gritty, it says cut out all meat from concentrated animal food lots entirely, which is like most meat. Most meat is not grass fed. And it basically tells you whatever budget you have for meat in your, your actual budget, keep it that same size. And the grass fed beef will mean that it's going to be more expensive. And so you'll eat less meat as a result. That's just naturally what will happen, but it never says in there, don't eat beef, mm-hmm. which I think is like an interesting way of approaching it. Some people are just have now been conditioned to bulk at the idea of don't eat beef. And this is a, a way of like sliding it down in there that like, you're going to eat less of it. And, and I'm cool with that. You know, that's, that's fine with me. I just didn't feel like the well, for, again, I, I want to do more research on this grass-fed beef thing, but in general, if you're eating less beef, that's really what the goal is. <laughs> yeah. And I think, um, so it's you good know, thing. yeah, I think that's important as environmental educators. We know you have lots of different audiences and you have to figure out a way to make your message relevant yeah. to your audience. And I do think sometimes that means you have to like find a back way in. Um, so I don't necessarily mind that too much. I do also like, I'm, I'm on the website right now. I hadn't explored it previously. I do. I, I like that it has more stuff on there than what is in the film, because as we've talked about, they're already trying to cram a lot of different aspects related to the soil in, in this small film. So it is nice that they can okay, we've got you interested enough to come to the website. Here's all of this other stuff that you can do that relates to this. And then, I mean, they did, again, they do mention there is a segment in there where Woody Harrelson is like, but there's already things that you can do to help the soil today. And they, you know, they talk about those things uh, quickly at least. So now they can expand on them here on the website. Yeah. And in their little like pegboard of things, it's like eat a plant rich diet or what, you know, something like that. So it's in there. It's just not really, yeah. Hammered home. I think there are things you could cut. I think like Patricia Arquette and your composting toilets in like Haiti or Uganda, wherever, I think both places she put them. I, I feel like that's, we could have trimmed that out of there yep. and maybe talked a little bit more about that. I thought composting close enough. It, that felt like actually the most actionable item that they gave the general mm-hmm. audience during that is like, find a way to compost your food. And they gave a great, like successful model that people in San Francisco are 
doing it on a large scale, not just a, like, I have my backyard situation. There are like things about this that are definitely skewed towards people who have disposable income to make these choices. And I think that's sort of another part that's a little overlooked in this is when we talk about food policy um, and like the fact that the government guarantees a certain amount of money for certain crops and that locks farmers into certain systems. It's true. It also helps keep our food costs a little bit lower and accessible Mm -hmm. for people. So it's a more complicated issue than like, I don't want to be on farm welfare. Like I, I agree, like that would be great. But Mm -hmm. like, again, we are creating a world that's trying to solve a lot of different issues. And unfortunately that's one of the things that it's, it's going on. So, um, so I think that definitely once you get into the resources, there are a lot of avenues. And so if you don't have disposable income, maybe that's like another avenue where you're doing a little bit more of the legwork, but for the buying guide, it tends to be specifically for people who have access to their local farmers and who have the disposable income to make those choices instead of people who have underlying health conditions and have, you know, not a lot of disposable income, live in food deserts, et cetera. I, well, I look forward to you exploring, exploring the website a little more. Casey, before we wrap up, would you recommend this documentary to people to watch? <laughs> um, that's an excellent question. <laughs> so I got a little nervous when my coworker came away with the soils causing climate change. Andrew was like, I don't really know how she got there, but there is a moment in there where they're talking about basically the amount of soil that's getting blown out or when we're putting in like tilling the soil that it's adding carbon to the atmosphere. And then that's when the like, you know, plants are then there to fix it. So that like concerned me that like, maybe this was above the certain like climate literacy of, of the general population. If you watch it and you know me, come talk to me about it afterwards. I guess is that like, I guess Yes. I guess. Yes. Yes. I recommend watching this documentary, not because I think it's perfect, not because I don't think it has like some really major flaws, but it does cover a subject that is not really covered in any other. I can't recommend anything else that would tell you about this information. I just would say, watch that and do something else. (laughs) I agree. Yeah. That's pretty much how I would describe it. I thought that it was a pretty enjoyable watch. I learned some stuff. There are some things that really frustrated me. Yeah. It. So watch it, enjoy it, but take it with it, take it for what it is. Recognize what's missing. And keep keep pursuing things like this. I think having things like this where it's hopeful is really important. Um, right after this, I was recommended on Netflix, which I'm sure I'm gonna watch in the next week, is the tipping points, which has um David Attenborough, and they talk about some of the the tipping points past certain resources and the climate and biological areas that we have to watch, or there's like a point of no return. And I was like, gosh, I can't watch that right now that I know that's going to be depressing. So it's nice to have something to be like, yeah, if you want to feel good, watch this. I just wanted to mention real quick too. I can see if I can find this real quick in speaking about the lack of recognition of indigenous peoples in this, I did see somewhere a recommendation of another movie another film that's focused on like specifically focused on indigenous people I can't find it right now I think it was called gather are you familiar with that at all I am not at all but I I am now have an appetite for that (laughs) Um, I'm just throwing it out there as since we both mentioned that was a piece that we felt was severely severely missing oh gosh this looks so applicable actually uh I just wanted to throw is that what it's called did you find it it's called gather and um based on what its website says gather is an intimate portrait of the growing movement amongst Native Americans to reclaim their spiritual political and cultural identities through food dot 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 so that sentence continues but food is the first one so I'm sure that's involved in there. So maybe that'll be a future viewing. Yeah. Haven't watched it. Don't know anything about it. I don't even know where you can access it, but I did see that from somebody who was really disappointed in the lack of representation uh, in general, uh, that that was something that, that they had put out there. But yeah, I, for all of its flaws, I would still recommend it or, you know, recommend it with hesitations. (laughs) And and I don't want to like mischaracterize how my coworker came because like, you know, that's one sentence that ever came out of her mouth, but it it intrigued me enough to watch it. Yeah. (laughs) And, um, and it intrigued me enough to say like, 
to watch it with the eyes of an educator instead of the eyes of the general layperson. So I think that that, that was also helpful for me to be able to look at it and say like, what's the purpose of this documentary? But, uh, I, I don't think we need to like end with any sort of pomp and circumstance of like a take-home action. If you want to watch it, watch it, tell us how you feel about it. Tell us what we didn't talk about in this episode, go out and smell some dirt or something. I don't know. Like we all have cool things living right underneath our feet all the time. Um, and I'm sure we're going to talk about so many of the subjects that are covered in this documentary on future episodes. So Sarah, thanks for joining me for this. Yeah. Thanks for chatting about this. Thanks for recommending the watch to me as well. Yeah. Where can they find us if they, they want to tell us? Find us film. everywhere. We're on Facebook. You can look for a little greener podcast on Instagram. We are at a little greener pod. You can email us at a little greener podcast at gmail.com. Send us your thoughts on the movie. Send us your artwork of yes confident chickens. Is that what confident you, chickens? What yeah. Yeah. Or whatever else. Um yeah, questions, comments, suggestions for future episodes. If you are a farmer, let us know your thoughts. If you are a farmer that does regenerative agriculture, tell us. Um, but whoever you are, we love hearing from you. And thanks for listening. Thanks for listening. If, if you don't hear from us next week, just to let you know, we're we're crazy. But we're, we're going to make sure content keeps coming to you um, over the course of our craziness. But have a great week. Stay safe. Bye.